0: Welcome to Natter the Zillennial Podcast. This is part two of my interview with Rhys talking about boxing.
1: I like to think about the specific person who would use this thing. Whenever I make a, a hoe or a shovel, it's like, well, I wonder, you know, I can imagine somebody plowing the fields, you know, a thousand years ago with this thing. And you know what would have their life been like and stuff. What would have they they have done to this thing to keep it you know in shape and stuff like that. You know, um, and and I I always love being able to to do that and and tell an effective kind of little narrative, I guess, um, through even the simplest of things.
0: That sounds like to me a very spiritual thing. The work that you're doing helping the story of others it's the same craft that people have been doing for thousands of years you know there's just something so human and special about it all
1: yeah yeah totally like it's definitely like an aspect that I that I really love you know about about this this nature of work and 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 through you know this type of stuff i'm able to express that or i'm it gives me i guess it gives because it gives me a um a voice i guess these these you know small metal objects allow me to communicate an idea without having to even open my mouth you know what does this thing say you know what does it who does it speak to what kind of people you know enjoy these types of things that I build and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. like it's something that uh, um that I'm I'm incredibly passionate about I I guess like I could that's the part of part of that's part of the reason I suppose why whenever people ask me about commissions and stuff like that and or whenever people ask me to build things I I hate cookie cutter projects and it's like can you make me about 15 of these all exactly the same and I'm like well first of all no because I suck but um <laughs> uh, but and second off no because you know I I don't like making the same thing a gazillion times over I don't like making mm-hmm. mass-produced um, type of things I'm I'm really conscious about um making everything incredibly personal and so like uh, whenever I pick up a commission and somebody's like hey make a make a knife for my dad or make a knife for my boyfriend. Or can you make some, a coat rack for my mom or something like that? I I like to learn about the people. I go, okay, well, what's your mom like, (laughs) I guess, or, you know, what's your boyfriend like? What's this? What's this? You know, like I'd like to learn a little bit about people. And then people are like, oh, you know, well, uh, you know, my mom's favorite color is yellow. She likes to work out in the garden, you know, you know, her favorite drink is this. And it's like, okay, all right. And you just learn a little bit about the person. And then you go, well, okay well what if the what if the coat rack was like little you know like little flowers in a garden and the little hooks were uh, little caterpillars or something god i don't know but like yeah. you start to think about the person that 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 is going to be using this thing and and you know then through there you can you know tell the story of this person i guess so then you know you give your little caterpillar flower coat rack thing <laughs> to whatever whoever's mom and and you know and it goes oh oh my god you know it's totally my thing because it's got the you know the little flowers that are in my garden and oh you know it's it's it gives them like a sense of preciousness it gives them like a tangible kind of like heirloom quality I guess I don't know it's 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 something that that you know they're gonna go wow this is was specifically for me you know it, it took time and effort and, and decisions that you know brought it all the way from ugly hunks of steel to this beautiful little thing you know and and it's uh, that's why i kind of like that whole aspect of narrative and stuff like that is because you know the stories are always about uh people yeah and and i think it's a it's an interesting way to try to try to make a connection
0: i respect that point of view so much oh my god <laughs>
1: dude that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> Well you, well, well, you must feel the same way, I suppose, doing your music stuff, right?
0: Yeah, I personally really like doing engineering and production because I'm helping people move forward, helping them do something that's worthwhile to them. And I also am not a freelance artist for a reason. If somebody hires me just because they need some backup vocals, that's cool. I'll do it. I'll have fun, but it won't have that deep like it, it won't matter as much to me right it'll just be a job to help yeah. pay the bills it won't be something that I find fulfilling because it's not something that I can attach my heart and soul to
1: a hundred percent it's not you right
0: yeah exactly yeah. Uh, I think that the kind of work that you're talking about like making that coat rack it's not only that the coat rack's not only telling somebody's story but it's also saying to them like you and your place in this world matters so much that this (laughs) physical thing can exist that embodies you like that is cool
1: oh man yeah like i i don't know i just might i like making it worth worth while like to somebody i like uh yeah i i I absolutely adore when somebody you know goes oh my god i'm gonna use this every day and it's like well yeah you know i'm I'm glad you can do that because you know and then you start thinking well i could have done it cheaper or i could have you know, done it this way or that way and whatever. And I could have made five more just like, it and sold them on the side. And then you think, but yeah, but would they have appreciated it as much as they do now? Like it wouldn't, mm-hmm. it, it like, like just as I'm putting myself into everything I do, I like putting them into it. It's yeah. Like just as much of a project about them than it is just me doing it for them. Like um, I'm always pleased when It's, uh, well, well, I guess an analogy I I suppose I could use um, is: is, you ever see people who look like their dogs?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Like where, you know, you got a scruffy little old man, he's just got this scruffy little, you know, shaking little dog, or you see this, uh, you know, large woman and she's got, you know, this this round, you know, little pit bull or something like that. It's like people who, you know, look like them. Um, and it's kind of like the same way. I love, I love making things that are, that are the people that they're for. And while we were doing all our projects and stuff in our semester, I think by the end, I talk about knives a lot, but I'm not a knife maker by any means. Um, I guess this is just an example I could use, but um, uh, by the end of the semester, we had all each, each one of us made a knife mm-hmm. and as we were all sitting there and we all had them, we were thinking, man, they, they are so much like ourselves. Like oh, really? Yeah. We were thinking, cause I, I, uh, you know, one of my classmates had all these funky shapes and stuff, all these bends and twists. And they were, you know, these chubby little knives and stuff like that. And they were so interesting and cool, just like he was. And then, um, uh, there was somebody else. Um, it was like, like kind of like this big, scary machete looking thing. And, yeah and it yeah and, and she she did this crazy uh gold leaf pattern on the handle and stuff like that and and it was like in a, and you know if you had known her too it was just like that's totally you you know yeah. like you're you're that oh, you're this outrageous like super fun type of um badass person and then um another one uh we did my uh my roommate um did the knife and they um, they did this uh, filleting knife, this fish filleting knife with this like beautiful leather wrapped uh, handle and a beautiful little sheath and stuff like that. And 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 it's very much them too, like this this super cool witchy woodland type of uh, person, just really grounded, you know, s- super great and you know so close to the earth. And um, and yeah, like in each one of us, there was a reflection. You know, of of ourselves and the things that we make, and and that's what I, I I like to do for other people is I like you know the things that that we make for them to be a reflection of themselves.
0: It really is storytelling. It really <laughs> I'd like, is. I'd,
1: I'd like to think so. Yeah, it's like a like a big brass book or a big you know steel <laughs> book.
0: <laughs> How many different kinds of materials have you worked with? I know this is totally off off topic, but we've talked about a few oh god oh uh
1: i don't even count i'm just gonna say general like a steel Mm -hmm. i work with steel whether or not that's mild wrought iron uh carbon steels you know junk it's all kind of the same to me yeah um i i've done inlays in copper like where you chisel away something out of uh out of something and then you inlay copper wire and then you get this beautiful copper pattern i've so worked with copper um, I worked a little bit with brass just for some handles and stuff like that. Um, I've worked with bone in the past, wood. Um, right now we're working with like tons of clays and silicones and stuff like that for our mold making and bronze casting. And then so um, bronze too is new to me. And now um, in my spare time, I'm getting much more into... Um, precious metals. So um, right now, I just uh, just got it in the mail the other day. I ordered uh, some silver and hopefully in the future I'll be doing some work in gold as well. So I'm starting to get into more precious types of stuff. And then even in the area i live now there's an old mine where people can go and find garnets and stuff and i'd love to learn um stone setting as well so
0: amazing
1: yeah i'm trying to get into i'm trying to get into as many different little things as i can while i've got the time so yeah spreading myself a little thin, but uh <laughs> but i think it's worth it
0: have you found which material is your favorite yet
1: um yeah totally i'm i'm a big i'm like big blacksmithing so Uh, I would say um, yeah, I would say Damascus, doing anything out of Damascus, it's that that whole process of doing it and making a gazillion little things of steel one big block is still so magical. So I I would say my favorite material to work with is definitely Damascus. It demands a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of care and respect for sure. Um, um, If you're not careful with it, you can definitely mess up your whole process and then You know you can just you know take all those hours you spent prepping and all those hours you spent forging it and just toss them all toss them all away so it's Mm -hmm. um and i i like the process of doing it because it gets me in this headspace of of concentration and attentiveness
0: cool that must say a lot about you too. Then uh,
1: I, I, I would, I would hope so. So, if there's anybody listening right now who wants to hire me for a job, I'm, I am super, I'm super conscientious about you know maintaining, <laughs> uh, maintaining uh concentration and doing all that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, nah, nah, not so much. Maybe I, I find I often get distracted. I, as soon as I'm halfway through a project, I'm already thinking about the next thing. Right, so um it's nice every now and then to really hunker down and like totally you know give your undivided attention to yeah uh, one particular task
0: totally that that makes sense well now (laughs) i know what uh kind of metal to buy you for your birthday so (laughs) oh i'll (laughs) go to the scrap yard i'll pick some up it'll be good oh i'd love
1: that (laughs) (laughs) oh man no yeah i used to uh, there's tons of stuff in the junk that you can find. My, uh, me and my buddy in the high school, we, we used to, uh, um, we used to go to the dump, and we used to roll up to the dump where you know you weigh in for your garbage, and we go, hey, yeah. our, we go, hey, our dad was just here maybe about 15 minutes ago. He just gave us a call. He thinks he might have dropped his screwdriver set over by the the garbage or over by the scrap pile. Can we go look for it? And the lady would be like, oh yeah yeah sure sure because she'd see there's no garbage in the truck. Yeah. and then we just whip over there and just you know just <laughs> pick through it for about 15 minutes and see all the stuff we can steal and then because they never weighed us going in they didn't have to weigh us going out so we just blow by that little oh, shack and just
0: geez. just
1: steal just steal all the steel and um <laughs> and so so um so you yeah, really we, are
0: a viking aren't you
1: yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe my yeah, maybe those genes haven't quite worked their way out of me just yet. I think <laughs> maybe there's an innate kind of need to to I don't know steal stuff. I I I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, I'm looking at my list of questions and I still have so many. Um, how about this one? What skills has blacksmithing um helped you to develop?
1: Um. Let's think Oh oh, you know what I would say I would say that blacksmithing has helped me um, develop uh, my patience, I think. Um, I'm a very I find like I'm a very irritable type of person and I I, I need to be kind of um, doing something or that I you know there's always something new to try, something new to read, something new to look at, you know mm-hmm. um, and I can I find that when I get into the process of making something, like when I said earlier, um, I'm already thinking about the next thing. And so I find myself sometimes when I'm doing something, I like to rush, rush a little bit. And I'm like, okay, just I'll get it out in three hammer blows. I'll, you know, get it fired up. And then I got to go do my molds. I got to go do this. I got to, you know, I'm kind of, I've got to do so many things that I feel like I, I just get, you know, you know, pan, a little bit panicked and anxious and rushy. And so one of the things that, you know, doing doing it this year has helped me um learn is just to slow down yeah um be patient you know be be calm just you know wait a little longer if you think you're done a process you know do it again just to make sure it's it's everything's good and and you know don't think so much about you know, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? Just take it moment by moment and go, well, right now I have to do this or right now I have to do this. Just allow yourself to concentrate on what's happening around you Mm -hmm. and kind of just take a moment to, to take it all in, I guess, and go, well, I need to do, you know, do this process now, or I need to do this today or I need to remember to read this now or whatever, you know, get this done, get it out of the way. But do it, do it well, and do it good. Um, you know, I, there's no pride in in stamping out something and going, "Yeah, it's good enough." You know, right. uh, I would much rather go, "Kate, I took probably more time than I should have on this thing," but I'm 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 proud to say that it is. You know, it's done what it needs to do, and it's a tool that does this, or it's a thing that looks like this, or it's it's whatever it is, and and be able to to go. You know what? it's good I'm, I'm, I like it the way it is it's it's nice it's it's fine you know and, mm-hmm. and instead of you know having blown through it completely just to get it out of the way and go oh well it's it's trash you know like yeah. and so uh, I definitely have learned to be more patient this year I find
0: that's awesome a good life lesson that I would not have thought would come with um, people playing with fire <laughs> <laughs>
1: is to be be more patient. Yeah, no, I guess I guess not. Maybe you're expecting something like uh, I don't even I don't even know <laughs> what what maybe other lessons I have to offer. Um, <laughs> wear clothes, I guess, that aren't baggy and stuff because I have cotton slag and little nooks of my clothing and i have been set on fire a couple of times this year so um my hands and stuff and my even my neck sometimes are just you know littered with ugly burns now my hands are are terribly (laughs) terribly mangled as as of late
0: so it's a good lesson to anybody who wants to try doing some blacksmithing is keep your wits about you and pay attention
1: Yep, for sure, definitely. I would, and, and safety first too. Wear your glasses for God's sake, man! Like, like protect your eyeballs, protect your skin, protect yourself. Steel toes. Let's go. Hearing protection, yeah. right on. Like, I, I, I totally take my body for granted most days, and, and when you are laboring over an anvil for fourteen hours, it's like, oh my God, I am old. <laughs> you're going you're going my horrid body my my limp carcass is absolutely in pain like you gotta go oh my god mom was right i shouldn't be yeah. eating my vegetables i should be drinking more than one bottle of water a day and you're like you start to think and you go god i gotta take care of myself so um that also comes mentally too like yeah like that's not, that's something too when you're doing that non-stop because we go even in on the weekend so it's like you know, seven days a week, man, we are, we're doing something. And I'm very grateful for this uh, reading week where, you know, you do homework and stuff like that instead. And, and so it's, it's, yeah, it comes, I guess with being patient is, is you always want to be moving and always want to be doing something. No man, take care of yourself, settle down, do something, you know, watch TV, talk to a friend, read a book, play a video game, do something that is completely, um, unrelated to your trade mm-hmm. and just totally allow yourself to unwind and and kind of recuperate and recover from the stress of of your life
0: yeah you never do your best work when you're stressed out or exhausted it's not gonna oh,
1: happen totally yeah and it becomes more dangerous that way too yeah. you can definitely make mistakes and you know if you're you're passing out at the workbench and stuff like that you know and then you know, they've got you on power tools or, or doing something. You're, you're, you are playing with metal that's thousands and thousands of degrees. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like big accidents can happen. So it's super important to just be safe. Take care of yourself, please. Take
0: your time. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What are you working on right now?
1: Uh, so right now, our first semester was blacksmithing, but this semester is bronze casting. Um, so what bronze casting is, is is making uh, molds and stuff like that and and melting down uh, silicon bronze mm-hmm. and pouring it into these mold, molds at like, you know, scorching hot temperatures. It's like pouring lava into a cup, you know, oh my and, God. and then you chisel away your mold and ta-da, you have a statue or a belt buckle or a door knocker or whatever you're building. And that's so cool so right now i'm working on a mask i guess um it it definitely is going to be wearable I, I suppose it's more of a more of a bust i think um um it, it's gonna be so heavy um but i'm doing this uh big bronze uh mask or, or bust of like this cool kind of maybe atlantean guy or something or whatever whatever this dude is i kind of yeah like like i'm uh kind of encrusting him in all these uh metal barnacles and and stuff like that make him look like he's been sitting at the bottom of the ocean for a super super long time and giving him a big beard and you know totally just making it look like he you know he went down in some kind of sunken ship or something and and uh yeah it's gonna be kind of this big ugly um big ugly atlantean guy i guess
0: do you find the process um easier or harder than doing the blacksmithing you were doing before
1: i find this process uh harder for different reasons um blacksmithing is far more uh labor intensive but uh as of late this pro these processes are mentally taxing on me i guess um we have been so the process i guess of bronze casting then if uh, because i went into earlier about the process of, of you know doing something in blacksmithing but um, so the process of bronze casting is, let's say, you're making a chess set, um, and you're making the pawns and the the queen and the king and the bishop and the the rook and the knight, and and you're making a chess set and you're gonna do it out of bronze. Mm-hmm. So, first step of that is um you know making um all the little chess pieces out of out of clay, you know, and you shape the clay and you make them look how you want and stuff like that, and of course. Um, a chess set has you know all those pieces but you only really need to do six um six some um, uh clay pieces you know because then what the process is after that is you coat the whole thing you all your clay in uh liquid rubber so you let it all sit up and then you pull your clay out and boom you have this empty shell that um that uh, that you know is in the shape of your pieces and so after that you take wax and you pour the wax into that little rubber mold, and then um, you pour the you you pull the wax out again, and then you clean up the wax, and boom, there you go. You have almost ready your your chess pieces and stuff like that. So then, in the case of pieces that are duplicated, um, like you know the pond, like a gazillion pawns, you just pour a whole bunch. You just keep pouring wax and pulling it out into that pawn mold until you have you know enough pawns. Cool. And so then the process after that is you take your wax and you sprue it um, like kind of like you melt it and connect it with little tubes of other wax all to this kind of this cup that's also made out of wax. And so uh, the, the point of this is, is so that when you pour your bronze into your the next process, that all the bronze snakes out like a big um, like a web or like a tree and it fills in all the pockets of every little thing that you've done all in one pour. So you don't have to hold this cauldron of boiling, boiling metal that's, you know, you know, going to be a hundred pounds and pour it all into teeny tiny little uh, pond sized <laughs> cups. Um, yeah. You know, you can get it done all in one. So you sprue it up and you make this wax tree full of all your stuff. And then you dip it in, in a series of like plasters and sand so you dip it in plaster throw some sand on it let it dry dip it in plaster again once it's dry throw some sand on it and you do that process um maybe about six times or depending on your pieces you can do it less or you can do it more and um so then you have now this other other mold with your wax inside and it's like this big crusty sandy um sandy uh sandy shell and so then all your wax is stuck inside and you go okay well how do i get that out so you pour you put your your big shell into uh like a kiln or an oven that we have outside and we do it outside because this wax when it burns away it's noxious and it's terrible for you so we do it outside and we have our respirators and we, we go and we burn out all the wax. So we heat up the mold and all the wax burns out and melts out into a big pot. So then there's nothing inside anymore. And you're left with this perfectly empty, sandy, crusty shell. And then from there, you know, you set it up and you heat up the bronze and you pour it in. You let it cool. And then you chip away your shell. So you ruin your, you ruin your mold, essentially. It's like a one-shot deal. Okay. And uh, you chip it all away and then boom, you have your tree full of all your bronze chess pieces and stuff. And then the process after that is cutting them all off with like an angle grinder or something and filing them all down and sanding them and making them pretty. And then um, after that, you um, you, uh, you uh, soak it in a variety of <laughs> different types of uh, minerals and chemicals and stuff like that to give it uh, something called a patina which okay. is a, like kind of like a kind of like you're changing, you're changing the color or the texture of this thing. So say I want one side of my chest set to be kind of like a brown type of orange. Okay. So I set them all up. I heat them up a little bit just to get the moisture off of them. And then I spray them down or paint them down with uh, something called uh, uh, ferric nitrate. And so that, that permeates into the, the warm bronze and it seeps into it and it, turns it into this kind of orangey brown type of color and it's and it's really pretty and then after that you can buff it up with a little bit of steel wool just to give it a little bit of a kind of a funny little shine and let the bronze still kind of seep through that that pretty heavy patina Mm -hmm. and uh and then yeah you you then you do a quick coat of wax on it hot wax or or and uh that seals in the color and then boom those are orange and then You would take, you know, your other ones in the same process, except you would use a different chemical, like, um, like cupric nitrate would give it like a greeny type of blue color, kind of make it look, um, look like it's been, you know, sitting by the ocean, like, uh, like, you know, uh, like copper roofs, like that greeny type of oxidized type of feel. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can totally go wild with this stuff and totally give your, your metal a, a wide range of like these really, you know, beautiful colors.
0: I can see why that's a completely different challenge. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: It's like, it, cause it's, it's long, it's mold, it's mold making at its like core. It's making um, like where I like making tools that make tools. This is making mm-hmm. molds that make molds. Like, it's like, Oh, like I've done, Oh, it's the same thing though. It's not, yeah. it doesn't change. It doesn't evolve. It's just the same thing in different materials. And, and it's long hours of sitting at your table and sculpting clay and and you know, um, putting on rubber and then you know putting on uh, wax and doing this and doing this. It's it's much more, f- um, much more dexterous and much more finite. Like it's it's very f- fine, small types of work. There are, there are folks in my class who are extraordinary artists who. Um, who do these, you know, super intricate little flowers or, or a squid or an octopus or a bird. And, and it's like, I'm like, <sighs> like uh, I'm just like, I'm just, my hands are shaky and I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to scrape by, uh, making my, my little, like, little, like grade school plasticine maquettes. Like, yeah I'm, I'm, um. I'm definitely uh, more adept at blacksmithing, but, um, yeah. uh, this opportunity though is really uh, interesting because it's so new to me. I've never had to do this before and it's, and it's challenging. And I, and I really adore that challenge and it's, uh, it's fun to push myself a little bit. And so when, you know, like I said, put my head down, you know, just grind through this, get it done. And, and, uh, I've managed to pull off some stuff that I never thought I'd be able to do. Um, I love working uh, in wax versus the clay. It's more stiff. It's almost like uh, more like wood carving and I'm familiar with that. So that makes mm-hmm. more sense in my brain. So I, I did these uh, kilt pins full of like this intricate knot work and stuff like that. And I did oh, uh, wow. a bar relief of a, of a giant sitting on a mountain and, and I had much more, much more fun doing almost like more carving types mm-hmm. of styles than, than sculpting. Um, yeah, like I'm, I, I'm definitely no, no, I'm definitely no Michelangelo by any stretch, uh, by any stretch. So I, I stick to what I know, but I, I, I appreciate the challenge and I, I'm learning to, to kind of push myself and get out of my comfort zone. It's okay. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to, um, to not be on the ball all the time. And it, and it's, you know, sometimes you just have to make something for the sake of making it, you know, like you may not like it, but you know, in in the long run, I definitely have learned to appreciate where uh, these assignments are coming from, and where you know, um, you know, when I do something um, like this, and it, it kind of opens my mind a little bit to, um, you know, pro- uh, projects in the future. So, say I had to do something like a door knocker. Okay, well. I know I don't need a door knocker, you know, <laughs> um, but I mean, then it goes, okay, well, I have to make this hinge, I have to make it move, right, I have to cast it in a way so that these two pieces interact. And so that's something I'd never considered about about doing a bronze piece. And then it got me thinking, okay, well, what if I make like, hinges for a box, or I do, you know, something that moves or whatever. And then, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's little things that you take away that encourage you know further development in the field I guess
0: yeah I hadn't even thought of that I love that in doing that you have the space to try something completely new but you're also finding at the same time you're still finding your niche within it like doing the the how, how did you say that uh bas relief
1: oh yeah the the and and it's a French it's a French word too and I I I butcher uh french um uh i think it's like bas relief or it's bas and then relief and uh what that is is yeah like more what i'm familiar with which is like wood carving and stuff like that
0: yeah what kind of project are you most comfortable with then having done so many different styles so far
1: oh god what am i most comfortable with i would say What would, if, I don't know, I, I, it's such a, I would like to like hear an outside opinion. Like I would like people to go, Oh, you're really good at doing, you know, these types of of things. And I would go, really? Oh man. I thought I, I thought I sucked, you know? And, and, uh, (laughs) so I uh, made, what's my specialty? God, I, uh, I, I think, I think my specialty, um, is, isn't anything like that pertains to one object, but more pertains to uh, motif i think um in all my work there's always a sense of um i try to i try to uh convey a sense of regality i guess so making something precious or making it look uh yeah like regal like you know and so uh in lots of my work there's usually um, like knot work or uh, try to incorporate, uh, you know, really beautiful metals or, or different types of materials that give it a sense of, of like uh, uh, value, I, I suppose. And, and I guess, yeah, like um, my specialty maybe also might be, you yeah, like what I covered before, maybe like trying to incorporate narrative or, or uh, convey a sense of culture. I think so. Maybe, yeah. Maybe what I'm most comfortable with doesn't it m- doesn't exactly cover a set of objects. Maybe mm-hmm. it's um, more a sense. I think of of an overarching aesthetic. I think.
0: Yeah, I love that. That just means you can put something special into everything you do. Yeah, no pressure. Well, yeah,
1: <laughs> well, I I I would certainly I would certainly like to like. It's it's hard. Um, it, it, well, I suppose maybe not hard. It, it would be easy to get comfortable and at doing something. So, say mm. I made a gazillion hooks, and I just keep making hooks because I get good at that, and then you know I become afraid to do anything else that isn't hooks yeah. because you know it's all I've done, and I become you know the hook, the hook guy. <laughs> um, I don't really like to. I, I don't think in the future that I plan on becoming a one a one thing man. I would love to do so many different stuff, uh, types of stuff, and expand my portfolio in a way that encompasses so much more than, than making me, um, you know, stuck. And it yeah. puts me in a place where I am unable to change, you know. And so by kind of trying to cover my bases and doing as much as I can and learning the basics in so many different areas, it allows me to be flexible in the long run.
0: Yeah, and to keep learning and trying new things.
1: 100%.
0: What are your... um? Your goals for the future, or future projects you want to work on?
1: Ooh, um, my goal for the future is to get a job. Um, Good (laughs) uh, good goal. Yeah, uh, my goal for the future is to get a job. Um, when I had first, uh, came out here, um. i did it because i had uh literally because i had nothing better to do um Mm -hmm. i had plans to go traveling and stuff and then the covid happened and then so those those you know got you know you know postponed oh
0: yeah
1: and so i was thinking well i can either be sad and i can mope around the house and get a you know meaningless little job here in town or i can totally do something, you know, way, way out there. And, and and then I was doing some research and I found the school and I went, okay, well I'll go and kill a year out here. Why not? Let's go have some fun. Yeah. And then when I got out here and, and I started to talk to people and I started to meet people that I never thought I'd meet and, and, you know, interacting with my teachers and my colleagues, I kind of started to get this creep, like creeping feeling, kind of crawling over me, and it was like it was like a warm creepy, um, yeah. and it was, uh, and it, and it and it and it was telling me it was like, man, like don't let this don't let this go, don't make this like a one year thing, like, like mm-hmm. what are you doing? And now uh, I can't get it out of my brain that I that I'm really passionate about pursuing this in and 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 and, and maintaining my. Uh, I guess maintaining my practice and mm-hmm. continuing to work in in an environment just like this i I did it to uh you know kill time and now I can't see any way that I could you know survive without doing this daily. I love what I do so much and and it, i i I'm just not ready to let it go so. I suppose my goal for the future would to be able to to find employment in this field, whether, whether it's as a, you know, a shop apprentice somewhere or working as a fabricator in an industrial kind of uh, environment or doing uh, mold making or stuff for movies. I've been really mm-hmm. interested in that lately is, is how many, uh, how many people are employed by our current like uh movie and TV yeah. industry and stuff like that. And, There's always the need, especially because now, because people are starting to romance, you know, Vikings and knights in armor and all these uh, crazy kind of old timey tales, you know, Um, and it's an opportunity for lots of artisans, like um, to collaborate and to do uh, projects that people are going to now use in film.
0: Absolutely.
1: There's also other types of things that I've been interested as well. When it comes to employment, I'm deeply passionate about um, archaeology and especially now that I'm doing this I'm really passionate about experimental archaeology which is um, whenever archaeologists find something in the ground and they go wow look at this this is so cool look at this uh this pin or this brooch or this coin or or look at this uh look at these boots or look at these pants like yeah these are so cool somebody worn this a gazillion years ago and then they turn to an experimental archaeologist and they say okay now you do it now now you oh. build it
0: interesting
1: yeah they go build it just like they would have back then we want to see how they would have done it so by finding these objects and then getting experimental archaeologists to build them they understand more about the process that goes into them or whatever and you can learn a little bit about the culture or the life of the people based on you know you going through the same motions that they did yeah yeah and um, so I've been thinking about trying to <laughs> find find a way into that, and and uh, and to do that somehow. And there's just so many opportunities that I never thought existed before. And then I come out here, and it's like, whoa, maybe I can do that. Whoa, maybe I can do that. You know, that's it's, so uh, exciting. I know, and it, and, it, and it, for the first time in a long time, I am incredibly excited about my future. I was always uncertain and i and I still am i I have no idea what's gonna happen, but uh you know, just I'm just tired of resisting I'm tired of resisting, I'm tired of being stubborn all the time. I'm just gonna yeah go with the flow on this one, man, and i'm gonna see what happens.
0: I'm so happy for you that
1: sounds <laughs> so awesome thanks man it's yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a ride
0: <laughs> that is absolutely for sure. I have only one more question for you. Okay, and that is. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share about blacksmithing or Norse culture, or bronze casting uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh gosh,
1: I don't know. I would. I hmm. You know, what something that crosses my mind all the time, um, that that like that I that I find a little bit disheartening, but also incredibly encouraging, um, is the fact that whenever somebody undertakes um like kind of this line of artisanal type of stuff and even doing stuff on your own um whether it's you know art or it's poetry or I guess poetry is art but I mean like uh writing or anything you do that makes you happy instantly people want to monetize it
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: they go wow you're really good at coloring you should uh you know do that for money and and then you know it becomes a job you know and, yeah. and something that you love uh now it is is like you know so taxing upon your person and and so by doing that i would i would say like it's it's you know, i'm in a difficult situation when it comes to that it's like i love doing what i do but now if i want to pursue this i have to start like monetizing this and making this yeah. a job and stuff and that that's something i find really difficult um to do but I, like to to say to say that it, it it makes me uncomfortable, I guess, um, is fair. I find it whenever I even now a day uh, now today, like whenever I get commissions and people are like, "Hey, I'll give you give you a couple of bucks, um, to do to do this or whatever," mm-hmm. um, I feel weird about taking money. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. Um, so one thing I've been doing to get around it is um. It's trading. Awesome. I love, I love trading so much. If I build something and somebody else makes something, like I'm totally down to, to trade up. Um, one beautiful thing about my school is it, it's full of uh like ceramics uh, students and uh, uh, textile students and jewelry students, and so we're starting to open up a dialogue here, and we're like exchanging stuff. Like I just built a coat rack for somebody the other day, and in return they are looming me like a, a like a patch for a, like a leather jacket or like a jean jacket or something that's like that's so cool yeah like they're using a loom looms are crazy but <laughs> looms are crazy but like um, I, I love being able to to collaborate with fellow uh, with fellow students and being able mm-hmm. to to trade and to do stuff and it, it's I find it's much more wholesome and f- fulfilling um, to do that but in today's setting it's nearly impossible to get by doing that right so there's this pressure uh to do to turn what you love into into a job and to make money like you know it's it's a necessity these days and
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: some people just don't get the chance they go okay well i do i'm doing what i love and i can't turn it into a job because there's no money in it right yeah and and so they just let it go entirely, and they lose that spark that once made them so, so happy. Um, and and they just let it go. So my advice, I guess if I, if I if I can even give any, would be don't let go of your stuff. Like whenever you you have passion, definitely seek it out and definitely pursue it uh, like relentlessly if 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 you have this gut feeling telling you that this is important to you or something something's you know screaming at you that this has to be done or that you need to do this for yourself definitely do it man like i always like to think of the worst things that could happen what's the mm-hmm. worst thing that could happen by me trying to be happy well the worst thing that could happen is that i then i end up just like i am yeah you know like um, I'm, I'm i'll be better off for it if i you know give it a shot you know there's so much more to lose by not doing a single thing than there is to lose by trying mm-hmm. um so whatever it is that you do just just man hold so tightly to it don't let it go man totally you know chase it down
0: and totally acknowledge that you're lucky to have that and don't only think what's the worst that could happen, but what's the best that could happen? Because I, yeah. I find looking yeah. at the good things, they they give you a a roadmap to follow, to try to get 100%. there.
1: 100%. Yeah, big time. Like, it's okay to to daydream and say, yeah, what's the best thing that can happen? Get this job or, whoa, well I make this thing? Or, oh, I meet these people. That's the best thing that can happen. Well, there's literally that chance. <laughs> there's yeah, literally that chance that that could very much happen. So... You know, there's so much more to gain than there ever is to lose in these situations.
0: Thank you so much, Reese. That's exactly what I'm trying to do with this podcast. People do <laughs> things. Just do things. Do the things you like. Yeah, for
1: sure. Go out, get it done, and, and you know, screw everybody else. You know, don't, don't let anybody, you know, talk you out of it. Don't let anybody get you down. Do what you got to do for you.
0: Absolutely. Wise, wise words. From a wise, wise man. And thank you for coming on and being such a fantastic guest and teaching us about um, a topic that I don't think enough of us think about very often. It was awesome.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, absolutely. No problem.
0: All right, everybody. This was another episode of Natter the Zillennial Podcast. Take care of yourselves this week. Show some appreciation for the hobbies and passions that you have. And we will see you next